Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yeah, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. The show's namesake, BJ Shea, is on assignment. Aww. Maybe he's in a galaxy far, <laughs> far away. Ooh. But running the boards is Joey D's. Hey. Hi. On today's show, we will talk with Gareth von Kallenbach, and we'll run down some interesting news about some video games that you may or may not be uh, eagerly awaiting. Might have to wait longer on. We will also talk The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 1. This is the way. Ooh, yeah, it is. Yes. And, of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. Let's get our blogs, podcasts, and more. Or just search for BJ's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Radio.com, and iTunes to find us. So many ways to find us, to interact with us, and we do appreciate that interaction. Vicky posts all the time on the Facebook page. Uh, lots of stories, lots of memes. Yes. A lot of questions. I ask questions all the time. Lots, like, I like your thoughts. And lots and lots of memes. Uh, let's get right with Mr. Gareth Von Kallenbach because, well, uh, this is the season that, I mean... There's a lot of stuff coming out there for the next gen. There's a lot of stuff that may be coming out eventually. What happened to my cyberpunk rev? Well, um, uh, that's going to be a little no! delayed. Hopefully mm. just a little delayed, but without any further delay, let's get with Gareth. Gareth Von Kallenbach joins us from Skewed and Reviewed. That is SKNR.net. And Gareth, I mean, we've talked about delays and such with even uh, movies and TV shows, but now it is hitting the video game world. And I mean, we've talked about cyberpunk. But this is not about cyberpunk this time. No, unfortunately, we're seeing the long-term effect of uh, trying to develop games in isolation, especially advanced games. And uh, the one that comes to mind is Far Cry 6. We've already had the uh, announcements. We've had a couple of teaser videos on it and that sort of thing. And Ubisoft has come out and said, yeah, we're looking at uh, at least March or so of next year. Oh, and when was it? When were they hoping it to be scheduled? Did they, did they put out a date before this, or was this just like, "Hey, everybody, here's the stuff"? But now we're actually looking at the dates. Yeah, that's the trick. There, it was. It was kind of one of those things, as I understood it. It was going to be a 2021 release, but a lot of people, I think, were um, kind of circling February, saying, "Okay, oh. it's going to come out in February." And now they're kind of like, at least March, if you re- and so. You, you know, uh, on one hand, you say it's a good thing not to rush these games out. But on the other hand, you're seeing, and as someone who used to work in the industry, I, my standard joke was whenever they made an, a release date, add six months to it. That way you can only be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah. But back then, of course, Internet was as, was out, obviously. But, you know, there were still a lot of people that weren't used to the whole concept of going online and getting updates and patching it. So you used to have to make sure it got out the door, you know, fairly stable because the hardcore people were the ones that were going to go and patch it. Mm-hmm. Um, so nowadays, you know, it's hard to say. We're seeing games that are coming out with lots of bugs, lots of issues that are um, being patched into shape. I mean, that's nothing new that there's a lot of industry deadlines and stuff. And you're kind of seeing this situation now where people are saying it's it's not ready. Um, we're going to wait. 
And it's weird, too, on that end as well, because we talked about how cyberpunk is being delayed and pushed back. And a lot of the times, I mean, people have been saying, hey, we're willing to wait. But then on that same note, when you hear about the delays, suddenly people are getting death threats and yelling. And I know, obviously, this is two different sets of people that are doing these things. But it seems like you can't have it one way and the other, like... People need to understand that this is helping the the creators not have to deal with A, the crunch, and B, just getting it out there as a completed project, but it doesn't seem anybody can actually agree on anything. Absolutely. And see, this is just how it is. It's, you know, look at, look at the new uh, expansion for World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a World of Warcraft player there. They announced a date, but it was later than the original date, and People have to realize this is the nature of the business. When you are working with technical product like this, issues do arise. And so it's the old, if we delay it, you're a bunch of, uh, you know, call them every name in the book. And if they put it out and it's buggy, you call them every name in the book, too. So, you know, you can't win. And I think you sit there and say a week, two weeks, a month, that's a pain. But at the same time, if it means a more stable product then perhaps that's not such a bad thing. Exactly. People out there, come on, man. Be a little patient. You've been patient for a lot of these games for a while. A little bit longer isn't going to be that big of an issue. Now, I need to talk about Next Gen's situation because we got the PS5 coming out and we've got the Xbox Series 1 uh, or Series X. Um, but uh, one of the big things that the PlayStation has is the PSVR, which people have just been louding over, just like loving it so much for the PS4. And I know that you have one as well. Uh, is there is it going to be supported by the PS5 and what's going on with it it is but there is a bit of a shakeup over the whole thing so the Ooh. first thing is that it does work but you need to get an adapter which Sony is providing free i haven't received mine yet but i called got bounced between a few different departments it you know the old Oh, oh, no, no. Talk to the PS4. Oh, nope, nope. You got to talk to the VRF side. Oh, nope. You got to talk to the PS5 side. <laughs> oh, geez. So that was about an hour of phone calls, but one's coming, so it should be in the mail any day. Now, here's where it gets confusing for people. Supposedly, the idea was that this thing would come out, and then about a year later, there would be an upgraded version of it. And we've heard stories about possibly being wireless and greater eye tracking and call it what you will. And supposedly now, Sony is saying there are no immediate plans for an update for the PS2. I mean, for the PSVR 2. So essentially, I look at it and say, okay, you know, with everything going on right now, perhaps the focus is getting as many of these PS5 units assembled and into the marketplace. So therefore, having an engineering team off designing this new uh, VR headset for it and so on, Okay, I get it. But then you hear things, and I'm like, this is an absolute mind crunch here trying to figure this out. Apparently, there are no native PS5 VR games in the works. Now, the way it was explained to me was we're going to take a look at this new Hitman game that's coming that does have a VR component to it. Now... The PS4 games, many of them will be upscalable to be enhanced on the PS5. There will also be PS5 um, versions of the game. Now, some of them 
are essentially PS4 versions that I'm told enhance and upscale on the five or play as one way. So if someone explained it to me, the PS5 version of Hitman will not support a PS5 VR. You essentially have to download the PS4 version of Hitman to play on your PS5 and VR with the understanding that, oh yeah, being a PS4 version, it will be up upscaled. That, and someone said uh, to me, okay, let me see if I understand this correctly. <laughs> I'm going to have to have a PS4 version and a PS5 version downloaded on my console to A, play the game with all the bells and whistles, and B, play the game in VR. Now, is this a fluid situation that's probably going to change after launch down the line? I certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, I've, I've had someone going, what am I going to do with Star Wars Squadrons? And I'm like, well, you know, if you've been playing it on VR and your <laughs> PS4 version, you'll be playing it on VR and your PS5 on the PS4 version. There you go. Problem solved. <laughs> but it, it, it's caused people to say, okay, what's going on? Because you got Hitman coming. We mentioned Star Wars Squadrons. There has been an uptick in some stuff. You got Iron Man VR. Uh, Star Wars Vader Immortal is there. Um, it's not coming for the PSVR yet, but people say, well, since Vader Immortal went from PC to PSVR, is the Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge VR game that's coming for PC eventually going to come? I look at it and say, yeah, I think it will. I think it's a simple case of that Sony just said our priorities are probably getting these games out, uh, the ones that are for the PS5, getting as many consoles on the market as we can. Then when the world situation improves, then we can go and revisit VR. Yeah, and, and of I mean, course, yeah, it makes sense. And it's also up to the developers. I mean, let, you know, take True. take any developer out there. If they say, "Hey, we're going to make a game from the ground up uh, for the PS5 in VR," you know, who's going to come in and say, "Oh, no, 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 you can't do that"? <laughs> you know, yeah, right. That would be simply. It's a case of at this time, nobody is pushing a native PS5 VR title. Exactly, and it makes sense on that term anyway. So uh, hopefully we'll get some more news. And like you said, it is very fluid. Now, this is something, we got to talk about this because I'm very excited. The fact that Bethesda's putting out a new RPG, I think like the first one in like 25 years, the first original RPG. They're going into space with Starfield. Don't break my heart, Gareth. What news do you have, man? Okay, so the the head of the company, Todd Howard, came out and recently did an interview where apparently he said, you know, people asked him about the engine, the creation engine, and said, yeah, you know, we've been modifying it, we're upscaling it, so on and so forth. There have been people who have taken some heat uh, toward that with continually to use it for new Fallout content, for Fallout 76, uh, for Elder Scrolls. Well, basically, they came out and said both Starfield and Elder Scrolls 6 are going to be uh, solo play experiences. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And there were people kind of since, you know, they, it's funny with Starfield, it was announced in 2018 at the E3 showcase, and there's been very little uh, discussed since then. Some people started to say, okay, with the newer consoles coming, with the um, Fallout 76 enhancement, since they patched it into shape, many people wondered if there would be uh, a mode like that, where essentially, if you want to play Fallout 76 on your own, you can, or if you want to group up with other people, you can. And I think people were kind of expecting that to carry over to these new games. And they basically said, nope, these are solo play from the ground up. 
That is a good call with those games. I mean, I like Fallout 76 for what it was, but really, eventually, it just kind of comes out to it being... Uh, it's like Fallout 4, but like an expansion for Fallout 4 at this point in time. So, like, the the fact that they need to update an engine with that uh, is the thing that, I have, uh, that I'm most excited for, because... Seriously, like Bethesda knows this, uh, just with the fact that they need like the community to patch these games because they never end up doing it, and they're usually buggy messes, and it's all because of the engine that they need to update that stuff. Exactly, and look at their recent games. They have been trending away from uh, any kind of real multiplayer. I mean, mm-hmm. Prey didn't have it. Um, the um, I'm drawing a blank on it now. The um, Rage 2 oh, yeah. did not have any form of multiplayer, and it was a firm part of the original game. Um, you know, Doom Eternal did not have, it does have a multiplayer, but they don't have like the traditional deathmatch and co-op and all that. It's it's essentially a couple of Marines taking on someone playing a cyber demon, or, you know, you either mm-hmm. play one of the Marines or you play the cyber demon. So there is a multiplayer mode, but it's certainly a scaled down version of that. So, you know, if you look at their multiplayer offering, it's Fallout 76 right now and a a mode for Doom Eternal. So it's not surprising, but um, a lot of people have said it, it kind of is continuing this trend that some company, Wolfenstein, another prime example, yeah. they have moved away from no multiplayer in the Wolfenstein games. Uh, really? I believe, you know, they've had a co-op the last one. Uh, where you played the two daughters, there was a co-op mode, but there, you know, there has not been a full deathmatch Wolfenstein in quite some time. Well, and even look at like the multiplayer games that are out here now. The only game that I think that kind of bucks this trend would be like Borderlands, which you're playing the main game, but you can hop into other people's games and stuff and play that way. But a lot of the times now, it's either like um, big, massive multiplayer party type games, something along the lines of like Among Us or uh, Fall Guys, or it's the battleground mode for however many whichever games you want, the Fortnites, Call of Duty, all of those. So like neither of those things that are super popular right now fit into what Bethesda does other than like, you know, something like zombie mode or something like that with call of duty. Exactly. And their mentality is you can play something like call of duty where depending on your skill level, let's say it takes anywhere from uh, some people six to 10 hours to go through the campaign. And mm-hmm. of course, obviously not continuous play, but like cumulative play, the bulk of the people then jump on and start playing Warzone and Deathmatch, and that's where the DLC and all the additional stuff comes down the line because that's what people play until the next version come out. You know, you kind of, totally, yeah. I know people would say, I don't even play the campaign. Now, I do, but, you know, a lot of people don't. Whereas Bethesda's standpoint has been, we're going to give you 18 to 26 hours of campaign, and there you go. Yep. So <laughs> rather than give you, you know, six to 10 hours of a game and hope you stick around to play. We're going to give you a full experience and there you have it. Yeah. And I mean, some of the best, and that's the reason why I keep playing Bethesda games because of how good the story is and how much gameplay there is for the non online modes. I think it's one of the best things about what they do. Um, But on that note, I mean, hell I'm still playing fallout 76, so I can't really complain that much. (laughs) Gareth. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much again. Gareth von Kallenbach from skewed and reviewed. You can find more information about TV shows, about movies, comics, toys, video games, so much stuff. Just go to SKNR.net. Thank you, Gareth. Anytime. Take care.
Thank you so much, Gareth. Again, Gareth von Kallenbach from Skewed and Review. That is SKNR.net. And Far Cry 6 shouldn't be too delayed, so hopefully you'll have something else. Uh, we still have no idea about what's going to happen, Joe, with, uh, unfortunately, with Cyberpunk. I'm seriously waiting for that game. I want to play the game so bad. As long as I get it by Christmas, it's all good. Well, so far... You know, knocking on whatever the hell this is right here. For Micah. For Micah. Uh, we'll have to see because, yeah, I would like to spend, like, Christmas vacation playing Cyberpunk. To be perfectly honest it would be a dream come <laughs> true from Santa. And to be, you know what, and that would be maybe something that would lead me towards wanting to actually buy a next-gen uh, situation right now. Because uh, I don't know if I'm going to get the new Xbox or the new PlayStation. Uh, eventually, probably, I'll get both. It's how I did it with the Xbox One and the uh, PS4. I just... There's got to be something that grabs me right away, and getting cyberpunk might actually be that. This is right down your alley. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, very stoked on that. Uh, we need to talk about going from cyberpunk to a galaxy far, far away. The Mandalorian season Yay. two, episode one, premiered last week. Now, episode two is out right now. So but we've uh, been at work. We haven't seen it. Yeah, exactly. We haven't watched it yet, and uh, I love it because it was what Thursday night, Friday morning. I get a message from uh, one of our fans who listens, Caesar, and he's like, "Have you watched it yet?" It's like, I'm at work. It was 6 a.m. on Friday. I was like, dude, I was sleeping. No, I get up early. I can't do that. <laughs> but uh, first off, this was exactly what I want in a, a sci-fi, B, a Western, uh, C, a sci-fi Western. They went full Wild West on this one. I saw a meme that was very controversial, and I'm not going to say what side I'm on, but I will let you guys message in and let me know. Oh. They say uh, it's one of those, uh, like, hey, you know, I'm going to state my opinion, and you can't change my mind. Oh, oh yeah, one of those? Mm -hmm. Okay, it's, okay. Uh, the Mandalorian is a better Western sci-fi show than Firefly. Ooh. That is some fighting words. I'm well, not going to say whether I agree or not. Well, it did get a second season. Hey! Yeah. Oh. So I want to I, I hear from you guys who saw that first episode. Yeah. What do you guys think so far? Absolutely. With that statement. Yeah. And uh, not having watched all of Firefly... And also not watching the movie, I'll have to say The Mandalorian for me is better. <laughs> and maybe I'll just go back and watch Firefly. I mean, could we get the same treatment for Fly Firefly, whether it's a reboot or whatever? I would be down. Just a second, just a second season. It's anything <laughs> at this point. So this was an interesting one too because they end up going back to Tatooine, which uh, they're 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 gonna love doing that. I swear all the time. Uh, and then we end up uh, catching up with uh, a man named Timothy Oliphant who is known for playing sheriff-type characters. <laughs> and when the title of the episode is called The Marshal, well, you can kind of guess where this went. <laughs> One of the best reveals ever, really, especially in a Star Wars, was him walking through into the... Uh, into the, the cantina. The, yeah, the cantina, thank you. And he's wearing Boba Fett's armor. And I'm just like, first off, you know it's Boba Fett's armor. He walks in and you're just like, okay, cool. And then all of a sudden you're just like, wait a minute. You look a little scrawny Compared. to be a Mandalorian. And, and then he takes off the helmet. It's like, yeah. It was like, first off, he took off the helmet. You're not supposed to do that. Nope. So obviously, boom, not Mandalorian because it would be like, why would you do that? And for those of us who aren't as super well-versed in the Star Wars universe, like I am a Star Wars fan, but I'm not a Star Wars super fan. Mm -hmm. Was he originally a Mandalorian? Uh, Cobb Vanth? No, 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 no. Um, Boba, Boba Fett. Well, and that's the thing is I, 
I, he wasn't. I don't right? think he was because he was he a clone, it, right? Yeah. yeah, he was a clone, and I don't know if yeah he got the Mandalorian armor if he killed a Mandalorian for it. Again, I'm pretty sure a, pe- a lot of people out there will uh, be able to help me with that. Maybe uh, I'm wrong about this, but Jango, his father, right? He got the armor from him, I thought, because in the end of Clone Wars Episode Two, if that's canon, I can't tell you whether or not it is or not, but. He he's like holding his dad's head or whatever his helmet. And I'm like, that's a graphic scene. Well, and it but it wasn't it wasn't Django Fett's armor. Oh, it wasn't. Okay, no. So that was kind of the interesting aspect of it. Like it's such a such a strange thing because he uh, Django himself is a bounty hunter wearing Mandalorian armor, and the father of Boba Fett, but I and the genetic template of the clone army, but I don't think he was Mando. Huh. But again, he's a cheater. He's a liar. But at the same point in time, the the Mandalorian that we have in this, played by uh, Pedro Pascal, isn't originally a Mandalorian either. He's an orphan, right? Yeah, he was an orphan that was uh, picked up and trained in the ways. Now I don't know if Boba or Jango were trained in any ways other than just being skilled bounty hunters. So I want to make sure I'm getting it correct. Would comparing it to Judaism, where you can be born Jewish or you can be of the Jewish religion, is it kind of the similar situation? Like he was not born "quote unquote" Jewish; he just happened to be indoctrinated into that religion. And... I kind of think so on that. Okay, yeah, it's not a, yeah, it's not a common thing. They I think they pointed out in the first season that you don't have a whole lot of Mandalorian orphans. Yeah, like, he was a, an exception. That was a for very some special reason. thing yeah. that happened. It was because he was like taken in, like he was uh, saved by them. Yeah, yeah, he was a, in a vulnerable position. He was down in sort of that weird sort of underground sort of hiding spot that he was mm-hmm. in, or the whatever the that box his parents was. hit him in. It almost looked like a wine cellar. Yeah, exactly. And so he was found by the Mandalorian there that was dealing with the situation that was happening, and mm-hmm. he brought him in, trained him, blah 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 blah. As you go, and that's you know a TV trope that you will have with that. So it's kind of interesting to be. To see where he is with that. I'm sure a lot of people can correct us on all of that. Um, some of the other stuff that I really loved about this episode. Uh, the crate Dragon was amazing. <laughs> the gigantic worm beast that oh, okay. uh, was okay. through the... Uh, yeah. Joe's looking at me like, what the hell is a crate? Dragon? What's a crate Dragon? Yeah, uh, It's the giant ah! dragon that was underground. Uh, they tried to get it out. And I love the fact that, A, that they used the Tusken Raiders. Mm-hmm. And a real interesting point with it. Um, kind of taking over, especially in the old westerns, the the native aspect, and also having them using that crate dragon as a rite of passage, like in order to you know become a part of the village and doing that, you need to be able to take down this uh, gigantic creature. One of the things I did find out, though, well, that was posted all over the internet, was apparently they actually hired a deaf actor to play one of the Tusken Raiders and help create the Tusken Sign Language. Yeah, so it wasn't ASL, it was its own language. Yeah, and it was cool to see them be able to do that. Like, And it is that one sort of bridge that you have when you have the quote-unquote civilized people who are you know, just essentially kind of like uh, just hanging out in a town that has been basically destroyed and is in the way of this giant dragon. Uh, And then with the quote unquote uncivilized groups, because you're like, well, they don't have language and they're just out there raiding things. And you're like, no, they do. They do. And they just have a different way of life. And to be able to bring them together. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a classic, again, a classic Western trope as well. So I really, really appreciated that. It just, it's so, one thing I've always been confused on, is that what they look like? 
or is that like a mask? That's a mask. Like, I mean, I know obviously not the actors, what they look like, but yeah, I wasn't yeah, sure yeah, yeah. if it was kind of like the Mandalorians where that's the same mask they all wear. No, the, the, the Tusken Raiders do have a sort of head wrapping mask sort of thing. Gotcha. Like when, like even looking online, it's like, so what's under a Tusken Raider, Raider mask? You don't want to see. Like, it's like one of those sort of things okay. where, yeah, it'll probably, I would like to imagine maybe, again, like Star Wars nerds can correct me, but that seems like one of those things that would like be a forever mystery. Like what is I'm, it's like I'm picturing like Deadpool. <laughs> just just kind of nasty. A little bit. Well, I mean, also maybe just a sensitivity towards sun. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's another good point on to uh, as well. Uh, Vicky got her uh, her uh, baby Yoda fix. Uh, yep, I did. Uh, He's even so though cute. He was not as mu- not used as much in this. No, but it, it was enough. Like it's it was a good enough story. I feel like a lot of people just want to see the baby Yoda show, <laughs> and I think we I, we got enough of him to like appease those who are watching with their kids or whatever. But yeah. I, like the story was solid. Yeah, and uh, even and Vicky, I think you pointed this out to me when we were talking about it. Uh, when it first aired, it. yeah, yeah, um, that uh, you might not notice, but the guy at the beginning who tried to double cross the Mandalorian was John Leguizamo, which I love. Oh. I love yeah. John Leguizamo. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff recently. So when you said that, I was like, no, oh, that's kind of neat. I mean, he kind of finds himself uh, out of the Star Wars universe quite quickly right. when it comes down to it, because I don't think he survived that encounter. But he's good at voices and everything, and it mm-hmm. wasn't really his face, obviously, so he could come back. I, I think it's kind of fun when you think about it. Like, oh, wait, John Leguizamo is now kind of canon in yeah. the Star Wars universe. Like, stuff like that, when you get these actors and stuff, even if it's just short you know, little scenes or whatever. I think that's pretty fun. And it kind of sets everything up for this season going forward. Still looking for um, whatever, like basically trying to find uh, the Mandalorian network Mm -hmm. or at least one Mandalorian. That's why he ended up going back to Tatooine uh, to find the, uh, his kind, uh, baby Mm -hmm. Yoda's kind, (laughs) the child's kind. I know people Hmm. get kind of annoyed sometimes when we call him baby Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also he didn't get there at this point. Like he found, a quote-unquote Mandalorian that was not a Mandalorian, but to that end also he's got a new contact in, on Tatooine. Yes. I mean, obviously we've got Amy Sedaris's character as well there. I love her. Yeah. Um, but you get to see a little bit of growth from the Mandalorian as well, which was nice when he's like actually kind of tolerant for uh, to droids. Yes. Which was nice. Like she, he doesn't like your kind. Yeah, he's like, get away from that! He's like, no, he's like, no they're fine. Well, and also, if you don't remember the very last episode of the last season... We had a droid that changed his mind about droids. Yeah, yeah, that was, was what IG eleven, something think? like that. Yeah. But he was voiced by Taika Waititi. Ah, you said it right. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I heard it so many times. I feel like I need to at this point, right? Yeah, and it was. I mean, it was a great. It was a great episode to start everything off. Uh, still got a long ways to go in this journey, but it's only eight episodes, just like this mm-hmm. season was. Um, don't spoil uh, episode two for us yet. And we'll be spoiling it for everybody once we get to it next week. Yes. On Friday the 13th. Oh, spooky. You wonder if it's going to have anything. Well, I wonder if the third episode is going to have anything spooky because it's Friday the 13th. (laughs) Oh, whatever. Anyways, now it's time to get to the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what's going on? All right, so I'm very, very distracted. Okay, Uh uh-oh. What's happening? So I love fan art of actual actors as certain characters, especially ones that aren't actually cast as that act as that character yet. Mm-hmm. And I love that sometimes these fan artwork kind of maybe turn into something real, which I believe happened with uh, the actor who's now playing Blade. There was a lot of fan art, like, he needs to be Blade. Oh, yeah, and he was in Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. And, and I cannot remember his name, and I sec. don't want to butcher it, so it was actually, it's it's not an easy name to pronounce, so I, wanted, I don't want to ruin it. 
Uh, no, give me the new actor. Sorry. <laughs> hey, it's not Wesley Snipes. It is not. Uh, Mahershala Ali. Yes, Mahershala, I think. Mahershala, I, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which he is beautiful, but uh, there's quite a few people that do a lot of these fan artwork castings, and I found two of them, one of which I'm very, very distracted by because uh, the mm. picture they put up is Joe Manganiello. Oh. <laughs> uh, but, right. Uh, but they actually did fan art that imagines him as Craven the Hunter. And I have been very oh. vocal about how I want Jason Momoa to be Craven the Hunter. I think he would be perfect. But I saw this fan art and so, I actually really like it, although I still would well, like. Well, and now here's now here's the here's the thing. Like, who would you want more at this point in time? Because you're talking about it. I mean, obviously, they might have to fight it out for this. But uh, I feel like Jason Momoa has more of that. What's the word? The Primal aspect? Yes. Okay. Because okay, I was yeah. going to go down a worse road. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for that. Uh, but yeah, he's so, got that more primal feel, and it's just the way he acts and he moves. Maybe it's a Game of Thrones thing I'm thinking of. Well, yeah. J- uh, was it Joe Manganiello? He's a total nerd, which I still like. I love. And he yeah. actually was in the first Spider Man movie. Was he? He was Flash. Was he really? Yeah, with Tobey Maguire. He does not look anything like that anymore. Wow. Seriously, Google that. Like, Google the pictures because it is hilarious. He was actually in the very first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. He was his bully. And I think it'd be kind of funny to have it full circle. So Craven the Hunter. Yeah, yeah. I want to see him on the big screen. It would be fun if uh, the next Spider-Man actually kind of dealt with that. I know we're going to probably get live action into the Mm Spider-Verse, which makes more sense and a lot more fun, especially if it kind of looks like Doctor Strange and like Spider-Man and Scarlet Witch are going to be the main keys to uh, the next phase going forward. And wow, really? Yep. Joe's the guy that gets spaghetti on his back. Yes, he's the one that tries to punch him. (laughs) Dude. He does not look like anybody there. No. Wow. Because he's gotten buffer and he just got older and maybe some facial hair. And he's wearing a really dorky shirt. Like, Well, it was the... Yeah. Late 90s, early 2000s. Wow. That's incredible. I would never in a million years have guessed that. And it's literally mm-hmm. the scene where, like, in the hallway where he tries to punch him and it's the slow-mo of, uh, of Toby going... Moving it. That's hilarious. So, yeah. Like, yeah, I want Craven anyway. So I could see yes. either him or Jason. I think uh, I think your, uh, your, your beating heart will not be bothered by either. Nope. Uh, <laughs> but being said, I did find another fan cast start work. I feel like they definitely just Photoshop from different actors because I'm looking oh, at the geez. hair. But I don't hate this. I really love it because I really love this actor. And uh, it's John Boyega. Okay. As the Red Hood. You sent me this picture. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Red Hood is uh, Jason Todd. Uh, yes. I think he was a former uh, Robin. Yes. And so, like, I mean, yeah, like the, the corrections department can kind of fill us in uh, yes. on that, uh, send us an email on that. But I saw that picture and I was like, yes. Like anything, first off, I want. They photoshopped, they definitely photoshopped Killmonger's hair onto him. I could tell. <laughs> I want John Boyega to be in a Marvel and DC, yes. like, franchise. It, like, we, he deserves it. He, we got to meet him before he did Star Wars. So when yeah. I found out he got, he got the Star Wars role, I was was losing my crap because he is one of the nicest people we've ever gotten to interview in person. Absolutely. And it's he's like not only is he super cool, he's a great actor, but like go back and he's just passionate. like Yeah, and go back and watch Attack the Block because yes. that's why we had him in. You can even actually I think the uh, YouTube video is still out of our interview with him. Yes. Super cool. Like just amazing. Him the director came in like 
it was... He's nerdy. Yeah, and it was an experience that, I mean, I know I'll cherish because how cool it was. He was 19 at the time, so I still, like, when I tell people, I'm like, he's a nice kid. It's like, he's a grown man. He's a kid. He's a kid! He's a child to me! (laughs) Well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy.